Hello, beautiful people. Uh, I'm here with Caroline Doverly. Hello. Who you are about to hear us talk about. You're about to meet formally as we talk about Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Um, but I did want to start with a uh, quick trigger warning. We do talk about, obviously, Hedwig has a lot of issues in it that people uh, probably are well aware of. But we do also, in the course of the conversation, talk about sexual assault. We talk about uh, stalker behavior, I would say. And we also just touch upon a variety of issues that some people might find um upsetting or triggering or they may not suit your current listening environment so i want you to know all that um and i also wanted caroline to be a part of this to let you know that uh this is not exploitative that this was an organic part of our conversation it was and we (laughs) and i think it's worth hearing otherwise i wouldn't have put it out i may or may not have put an explicit tab on uh, this episode because i didn't want to censor any of the conversation in any way and so that was kind of the first heads up to this so enjoy the show Whenever my world falls apart, I never lose hope or lose heart. Whatever the form of the storm that may brew, not with you to lean on, darlings, you. Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest tonight, it's nighttime, we're recording, this is the internet after dark, uh, just wrapped up a performance as the Squip in the DC area premiere of Be More Chill. It's Caroline Dubberly, everybody. Hi. <laughs> I'll edit. It'll sound great when I cut. Great. That. How are you doing? I'm excellent. Great. Very Thank you so much for here. coming out to talk about Hedvig and the Angry Inch. Don't you know me? I'm the new Valiant Wall, baby. Try and tear. The German pronunciation. Yes. Look at that. Hedwig and the Angry <laughs> Inch. Um, yes. The two, 2014 recording, mm-hmm. the Broadway mm-hmm. production. That's what we're going to talk about. Um, and so I will ask the same question I ask everybody at the beginning. How did Hedwig come into your life? My sister actually introduced it to me first. I had seen um, John Cameron Mitchell's film Short Bus. Sure. Um, and then my sister, I was way in college and she wouldn't shut up about this movie mm-hmm. that she'd seen called Hedvig and the Angry Inch and she she's like super obsessive and so she'll just be on something for forever until you watch it and I was so annoyed and I was like I don't want to watch this stupid movie (laughs) Catherine I don't want to do it and then she was like I will buy you Sonic and bring it to you and let you eat it if you sit down and watch this this movie movie with me and I was like you've got yourself a deal right Play hard to get. That's what you got to so, do. So, yeah. So she she bought me a burger and I watched Hedwig and the Angry Inch and I loved it. It was so beautiful. Sure. Um, and then found out that it had originally been done off Broadway. Right. And then just loved it from mm-hmm. afar. Been like, great. Going to put that in my so little. So when, when was it? When was this? This was, oh gosh, probably 2009. Okay. Yeah. 2009. Um, and then... Five years later, right? they're doing the show on Broadway. Right. <laughs> and it was very exciting. It was very, very, very cool. I did see it. I didn't get to see it with um, Neil or with John Cameron Mitchell when it happened or with Lena Hall. 
um, who I love. I'll talk yeah. a little bit more about oh my, my gosh, obsession yes. with Lena Hall yes, 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 in yes. a bit. Sure. But um, I was on tour with Dallas Children's Theater and we were in New York City for for a minute. And so we went and saw... Crap, I'm going to have to look up this guy's name. Oh, well, there's only like there's only like six guys. Which one? Darren Chris. There Darren you Chris. go. Darren Chris. It was right. Darren Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Rebecca Naomi Jones. Yes. Yeah. They were the two who were in it when when I went to see it and they were wonderful. Yeah. It was so good. I cried the whole time. It was it was so great. It's I very love it. cryable. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's a yeah. It's a it is possibly the rawest emotional show I have ever heard in my entire life. Yeah. I've seen the movie not for years. It came out in two thousand one and mm-hmm. I saw it during that time. But I saw it like it was like in somebody's dorm room and there was yeah. like stuff going on. You know, so I really liked it, but it was a lot of like, I couldn't, I can't recall it very, very clearly. I really want to see it again. Um, and I was obviously very aware of the show when it came out. It was a big, it was so funny because like for some of, for the, for the theater nerds, it was like, you remember the guy from the secret garden? He wrote a show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you're just like, oh gosh, I wonder what that's like. And then you listen to it. You're like, yes, that is that not, is not that is not garden. what I was expecting no. from, from, from Dickon. No. Um, which was cool. It was really, really cool to be like, and it has been cool also like following Daisy Egan's career and like the two of them mm-hmm. are just like, they're not, it's not Mary and Dickon anymore. Like they never <laughs> were, of course. They were actors playing parts, but it's still really funny. Yeah. Um, but it is really, it, it hurts. It and yet. It's it, a beautiful ache. It is not exhausting. That's the like, the sort of thing about the show that, I find fascinating is that it is, and we'll summarize the plot in a second, but it is the, this could so easily be one of those. I mean, you've seen those like friend shows where somebody goes out on stage and like bears their soul and it's lovely and cathartic for them. And I walk and out of there. Very exhausting. I'm just like, Oh my God, Drained. I need to lie down. Like, and I can't go see this again. Like it's just, it's everything. Totally. I could see this three times. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you could see this again and then see it again. And it, you're, it, it takes you on a journey and like, yeah, I would cry really the whole does. time. But I would at the end. The end is so. I don't know what it is about it that it's just so like it's so uplifting. Even though it's very, I don't know about sad, but just not like it's nebulous. Yeah, it is. That's a great word for it. Yes, it's absolutely nebulous. So let's describe for the people at home who great. may not know. And I even think a lot of people who know the show may not know what is the plot. Well, I was actually thinking about that, and I was like, I know I'm going to have to summarize this plot, and I I can only imagine that there's going to be someone out there who's like. This chick has no idea what she's talking about. <laughs> that is not at all what Hedwig and the Angry Inch is. How sure. dare. I even, okay. Well, the plot is, first of all, caveat, the plot is very secondary. Very secondary. It's about the character. It's about the characters. That's what it's about. So, like, And it's about, yes, it's about two characters and what, three characters, three. one who we never meet. Um so like, that's what it that's what it's about. Yeah. But it's really about this one character. And then it's about concepts, which we'll get exactly. into also really more than it's about. Absolutely. Literally those characters. And it started, I believe this is correct. It started out as a cabaret set. So mm-hmm. and it's still like that. The whole theatrical device of breaking the fourth wall. And it's very. Brechtian in part. <laughs> Sometimes, but it does. Like yeah, it, it, is. it shifts no. away in a good way, in in a great way. Yeah. It shifts through through genre and and all sorts of different things. So often, 
Okay, that's not at all the summary but of the what plot. Is, yeah, well, yeah, I'm so gonna, let's, let's yeah. I'm going to talk about the plot now. Sure. So Hansel is this little kid living in East Germany with his mom. And um, then, and it's before the, the Berlin Wall has, has fallen. So like, I think like the 70s or something. Mm-hmm. Or the 80s. It's the 80s. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So so he meets this American soldier guy who whose name is Luther. And he's like you are really hot and I want you to be my like girly boyfriend. And then he's like, I can take you away from here to America. Um, so you don't have to stay in East Germany cause it's awful. And, um, but the only way we can do that is if we get married, but the only way we can do that is if you get a sex change. Right. So he takes his mom's name, Hedvig and her papers and everything. And they do the, the sex change. And then the whole closes up there's a there's a song about it yes um <laughs> i mean her whole band is is about it yes but um the self-titled angry inch yes yeah and so then and it's weird because the way the plot is done it's not done linearly in the show well it's all done in, in this is all told to us yeah and, and then through song but it is just yeah it's a ba- it's like a, it's a concert like we're watching yeah we're watching a concert yeah. and so these things come out in drips and drabs exactly yeah. um so she ends up being left by this guy right. and she's like, shit out of luck. In America. Yeah. In America, yeah. by herself, in a trailer. She starts babysitting or nannying and um, meets this guy named Tommy who is like from a really religious family and stuff, but he's got something going on underneath and they kind of fall in love a little bit, but... We can talk about that later because sure. I was rewatching the movie last week okay. and I was just watching it. Anyway, there are lots of interesting, interesting things yeah, yeah, about yeah. their relationship okay. in the film. Um, but yeah, so they meet and they start this sort of romance and this um, partnership through music and they're writing songs together and um, they're playing music, um, playing bands. She basically like takes him into her band and then he's like really young and hot. So all the girls are like, oh, my God, Tommy, he's amazing. Right. So then he gets really famous and steals all of the music that Hedvig wrote and passes it off as just his own. So she's what we're seeing on stage and in the movie is this like revenge tour, basically, where she's like following him around to every single city that he's touring in in America and playing at venues right next door. There's a moment in the in the um, stage play and in, in the movie where <laughs> she opens the door in like the tiny little restaurant that they're in. And you can hear just the screams of the crowd at his For concert yeah. <laughs> across the street. It's it's ridiculous. Oh, it's very funny. <laughs> um, and then she ends up coming across him one night. And then they have kind of like this reunion thing. And then they're hanging out and they get really drunk. And they're like singing along to the songs, to his album. <laughs> they're in the car just singing to his album. It's so funny. And then he starts singing incorrect words and she gets really mad at him and is like, you don't even know the freaking words to this song um, that you say you wrote. Right. And then there's this huge scandal and people are like, oh my God, you two do know each other. And then she gets really famous in this like 
series of little montages and then she's singing her last song and then kind of realizes that it's all a little bit empty and um, that her identity has been so tied to the trauma she's experienced or the, the victim, her victimhood and um, connected to her need for revenge against this person that that's not an identity that is something that's sustainable and it's not who she is or who they are. Right. We'll talk about right. that. Right. Yes, um, yes, yes. And it's at the end, a, a literal and a metaphorical shedding of this layer that is a facade. And so in the final moments of midnight radio, um, singing the lyrics are lift up your hands and then, um, they take off their outfit. So it's very just bare physically, emotionally, everything. And then, um, there's Yitzhak who, oh my, oh my God, how did I not talk about Yitzhak this whole time? Oh my God. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. I have to do another plot summary just for Yitzhak. Oh, Yitzhak, I mean, there's a lot to talk there's about. There's a lot Yitzhak, to talk about. But like basically Yitzhak is... Is Hedvig's husband right. and um, second fiddle, if you will, in the band. And is also trans... Yes. Or in some, well, in, 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 or it should be, I should say the role is played by a, the role is a female actor. Yes. Um, and the character is a man who wishes to, and it's never explicitly stated. Right. It, it's either to, okay. A biological male who either is trans and, Okay, who is either trans or is um, wanting to just be in drag. Sure. Uh, right. But either way yeah. is not allowed to do that because of the abusive relationship that he's in. With, with Hedwig. Hedwig. Yeah. Because cause she does. She's really abusive to him. Right. And I was, I was re when I was watching the movie, um, I was like, yeah, it really, it really struck me. And I was... Um, Every so often, I'll like be scrolling through Playbill jobs, just and be like, "What sure. am I? What am I not gonna get cast in? That's happening everywhere else <laughs> in this country." <laughs> and every time I see a listing for Hedvig, I look mm -hmm. at it. Um, and in the description of the characters, it looked like the character Hedvig wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> about oh, Hedvig and Yitzhak because okay. it was like Hedvig beautiful brilliant amazing knows she's a star like right. has been heard by everyone like nothing is ever Risen her fault it and yeah. Yeah, yeah Yitzhak jealous of Hedvig wishes that he had half like abusive wow. towards her and I was like did you not read the play I was so mad that I took a screenshot and I sent it to my sister and I was like look at this this is ridiculous <laughs> and she's like Incorrect. Right. Incorrect. Um, <laughs> I have very strong feelings about Apparently, that. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And that's funny. It's because um, at the end, as we said, mm. we were about to say. Right, right. Hedwig strips off all. This garb. Basically down to just nothing. And yeah. then hands it. Hands Yitzhak the wig. There's this beautiful scene um, midway through the piece uh, where it's. 
and, and one of the really just emotionally manipulative and abusive things that she does to him is she forces him to be the person to do upkeep for her wigs, mm-hmm. knowing that he wishes yeah. that he could be the one wearing the wig. Um, and there's this scene where he's alone combing out this wig and he just looks at it um, and puts it on his head. And it's just this really tender, beautiful, beautifully sad moment. And just it's it's with so much reverence that he has for mm-hmm. this wig. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Um, and then at the end, she relinquishes that control and mm-hmm. like allows Yitzhak this really super important part of his identity. And um, in the movie, it's a really cool little magic trick because they just like one second he's standing up and then he's doing a little dive into the audience and then boom, it's Yitzhak all up in drag. It's really cool. In the stage play, he takes the wig and then exits and then um, the way they had it done on Broadway was he came in through the back of the house and just like he was walking on a runway yeah. all the way down the aisle up. Oh, it was glorious. <laughs> <sighs> and I wept. <laughs> <laughs> for the first time. No, not for the first time, I should say. Um, yeah, it's a lot. And that's what's so funny, though, that you said that like that's an incredibly detailed. It sounds like a ton. Yeah. But it comes out at you, like you say, in songs, in between mm-hmm. songs, in suggestions. You get out half of, of the story yes. here, half yes. of the, then the other half over here. It, it It's all very, except for the fact that the, the issues with Tommy mm-hmm. and the Revenge Tour yes. that, are ver- that are very clearly established at the top. All that other stuff, like the history and the oh, like yeah. kind of and well, and the the, the about sex change, obviously with, with right. like song three. Yeah, we are like very aware, um, but it is it is song three, four. I was almost right because um, it's America the Beautiful or whatever, right? And then tear me down, right? I mean, America the Beautiful is like a thirty it's second a, thing. Right. It's basically song three. Yes. Um. Yeah. Tear well, you down. Sugar Daddy too. I forgot about Sugar Daddy. Oh then, wait, does Sugar Daddy happen before? Angry Inch? Yeah, of course this. it does. Yeah. Because he had to have the I'm sugar daddy before sure. he got the Angry Inch. So actually, this she. is... Yes, I should... I'm, I'm just going to say, <laughs> from the jump, I'm just going to issue a blanket apology. Um, we are going to mess up pronouns here. Yes. It's it's going to happen because the character, the characters and the actors' genders and gender identities do not always match they don't fit that purpose it's poor it's part of the point of the show as a result it it is confused we we Mm -hmm. will sometimes call (laughs) hedwig he and she will sometimes call it sack he and she it is just because it in your mind i mean i do this too when i picture the performer like i picture miriam shore and you know you picture leader hall and it's that thing of like and that's also a a performer who is a identifies as female and exactly and so it, it is very but also I also feel like we don't have to apologize because it's supposed to be confusing. That is part of the point is to, when you talk about it, make you unable Mm -hmm. to put it into these tiny little neat categories. That's the whole, that's the genius of it to me. The brilliance of it is the fact that it, without, because the, the format is so done. Mm -hmm. You've seen this show. You've seen a show where they just, um, uh, we're all gonna die. Did you see, we're all gonna die when it was just here in town with, with, with Farrell Parker. Yeah, yeah. 
I was unable to. Okay, but it's the same show. Basically, it's it's a woman giving a rock concert and talking about her life. Like it's the same premise. You've seen this show a hundred times. Yes. But the thing that makes this show so interesting is how round the characters are with such little information and how round the story is with so little information and really how at the end of the day it is about the concept it establishes at the beginning, which is the most confusing thing in the show, which is the yes. song The Origin of Love. The Origin of it Love. It is all about that. That is the entire... It, it really is so brilliant to start the song with this long... St- start the show, I should say, with this after the great opening mm-hmm. number, with this long, rambly, nine-minute, like, story song thing that has a lot of lyrics and are very clear and they're kind of clunky because like they want you to listen to them. Yeah. But you have to. You have to grasp the story that he sets up at the beginning, she sets up at the beginning. And otherwise the rest of the show isn't going to make any sense at all. And there were three sexes then. One that looked like two men glued up back to back called the children of the sun and similar and shapen were the children of the earth they looked like two girls rolled up in one and the children of the moon looked like a fork shoved on a spoon they were part sun part earth part daughter part sun So it's about the Eros, the Greek god of love, is, is the sort of story that human beings, when they were born, were two people basically in one. The gods grew jealous and split us in half, and this is why we spend our lives looking for looking for our other half. Right. But it's also about the terrible irony of that, because it is impossible to completely rejoin, yeah. according to the myth, the way we used to be, because we are separate souls. So we, yeah. we can you can join the bodies all you want in the act of physical love. But it is still, there is a separation, and there has to be. And that is the sort of grand tragedy that this story explores. And what's, I mean, it's it's just, it's so complicated. It's so complicated. And the show makes it so simple. Yeah. Like, from an emotional standpoint. An emotional standpoint, absolutely. Emotionally, every single song, every single beat, every single moment reinforces the emotional splitting and tearing and ripping and rendering that that myth um illustrates and it's mm-hmm. just like you, you you don't i remember the first time i heard this i don't remember if it was in the movie or if it was listening to the album but going like man this song is really long and like there's a lot here i'm just like i'm following it but like i don't know what really like this is what we're doing and then of course like i said if you don't start that way no nothing makes nothing. sense nothing makes sense at all you have to have that and especially i i love being able to see it done live or watching the film mm-hmm. because then you also get before that this beautiful monologue that Hedvig has about growing up in East Berlin mm-hmm. and the drawings mm-hmm. that young Hansel would make. And then in the film and then in the stage play, they've, they've got the projections as well. Speaking of illustrating these gorgeous, just beautiful drawings playing out this myth mm-hmm. um that and one of them becomes the tattoo that Hedvig has which is really cool yes yeah that that head heads are known to yes as, as as you are known and i as, will lump you into that um 
I really like this show. I wouldn't deign to call myself a headhead. That would be <laughs> that's saying things about myself that I'm not I'm not willing to back up. But in the in the movie, they have one of my favorite through lines in the movie is that everywhere they go, the group, they keep picking up like super fans right who have like these little they're like foam finger things almost but Mm -hmm. it's like just the cutout of her hair right it's so funny well because the hair i mean in the the original actually i guess in this too in the movie it looks better but it's that like wonderful farrah fawcett yes like wig just awful and yeah (laughs) so good that's one of the things good it's in the movie it looks really good or at least it looks really good in the musical numbers like there is a kind of like there are certain elements to the movie that are hyper real especially the ending the the end of the movie is is just this like you don't know where you are by the end of that song because it's not important like physical location is not important in that song never um the show is a little bit more grounded in re in a in a reality yes where hedwig looks like what you expect her to look like she you know it it, it's all very thrown together she looks good but it's really like it's, it's all being held together with with you know with with, with good with charm and good luck um, and spit and spit and <laughs> I love the addition to the um, to the Broadway production that because the whole thing is like you know we're on this tour we booked this theater like it is it's kind of meant to be done in church halls and yes you know though I don't know what church would love it but that'd be an awesome church um, or but like it's supposed to be done in kind of the smaller low rent dark venues like that's where it's meant to be done so to be at the belasco is sort of the antithesis of what this show was about so they established this whole myth that they were performing on the set of another show that had closed and they were able to get it for one night which is of course hurt locker the musical yes which is amazing which has its own wikipedia page oh my god because there were the playbills around yeah of like scattered around the theater (laughs) and so somebody like grabbed them all up and wrote down all the information which is just like who has time for that? But oh, also, thank you. Literally everybody. Um, the the <laughs> cast of so of the Hurt Locker, Locker, Hurt Locker the musical, the musical oh which God. is the, there is a song from on the recording, which is my favorite. It's gorgeous. It, it's a really good like it is such a it's good beautiful good song, and it's so it's the lyrics that are like bananas. Yes. Like the music is so great. It's called When Love Explodes, love theme from the Hurt Locker, which is just love beautiful. <laughs> we found sanctuary in the It's raw, we're filled with shock and awe, and we will be consumed when love explodes. We will be consumed when love explodes. The cast of this fake musical was Bobby Cannavale in the lead, also starring Michael Cerveris and Tay Diggs. (laughs) And it is just like, and also um, uh, the, there's some kind of twistiness in here where Adele Mazim is in the cast. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Playing the Iraqi girl. It's just so great. Um, 
Have you ever seen the movie The Hurt Locker? Yes, I have. Okay, because it's also nothing, no. really nothing to do with the movie The Hurt no. Locker, it, which is even better. It's just so great. But apparently, <laughs> The Hurt Locker musical closed midway through the first performance, so they were able oh, to get no. this theater. That's the conceit. Cheap. Um, and that's how they ended up in the Broadway house. But in so middle. this is all to say, like, this show is happening now and yeah. in front of you. Like, that's the point. Like, you yeah. are at Hedwig's concert. Mm-hmm you are on along for the ride this is the ticket she you talks bought. to you it's right. awesome yeah yeah and it's all very and there's just i mean there's a sing-along for crying out loud like there's mm-hmm. all it's all very done to draw you in and there's so much in it that is meant like early to relax you and just kind of let you like oh, okay like i can get down with this and then like it doesn't just like <laughs> kick you in the face yep it obviously does matter this information has to come out it comes out in the most effective way but when you're listening to the album, it really doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't make any difference. It's got such an amazing. I mean, "Tear Me Down" is like such an amazing opening. Like, yeah, such a great song and and a great kickoff number. It really is. It's so in your face. Yeah, and it just it puts you right where you like right where you want to be. And then we get into like the, <laughs> the meat of it all. Um, and I have to say that like, so here's a question though. Now, you saw Darren Criss do it. Yes. Okay. Um, and I have to say that I don't know how I feel about Neil Patrick Harris in this part. And I, I just don't. I don't know how. This is like peak Neil Patrick Harris. Like this yeah. is like 2014 and he Hedwig. Was... We won his Tony for it. And it looked, I mean, the Tony's performance was, it was amazing. Was wonderful. Um, the reviews were all fantastic. But there is a certain detachment I always feel from Neil Patrick Harris as an actor. Interesting. That I wonder, it may have just worked, you know, in on stage. Like that right. his personality might have, as a character who is very self-referential, very aware of herself. Yes. Very, like, it may have just worked. But the actor I was most interested in seeing, aside from John Cameron Mitchell himself, right. was um, Michael C. Hall. Yeah. He was an actor who I greatly He's admire. Fantastic. Yeah. And I really would like, I'd love to see what he does in that. Like, that was what I kept thinking yeah. about that. But listening to the recording, there's it, it, it just like, I don't know if I have too much of an opinion about Neil Patrick Harris, the personality. I'm not talking about mm-hmm. the person. I don't know the man. I don't know anything about him. <laughs> but his personality, which like, is so funny as somebody my age who grew up with him as Doogie. And like watched him shed that beautifully. But then at some point in the 2000s adopt this other, the Barney Stinson of it all, which was then, which is a character obviously, but then like he became a host of things and it was just, it was just very odd. And I ended up like, it all culminates to me with him hosting the Oscars, which I think is just one of the most like weird evenings of television I've ever experienced. It was just. When, which year was that? 2015. Possibly. When he hosted the Oscars. I don't know. All yeah. I remember is that when he hosted the Tonys. Oh, 2010. Really? Huh. That's so funny. I thought it was later than that. Oh, no. And 2015. Oh. Sorry. Okay. He did it. He did it he more did than it once. He did it twice. Um, maybe he was just in it in 2010. But yeah, no, he yeah. did it in 2015. And I, I remember that because it was post. I, I'm remembering this correctly because it was post Hedwig. Um. And it just being like, 
I don't know, man. I don't know. You know, obviously he gave like one of the, right before he did Hedwig, one of like the the if not the best opening number for the Tony for the yeah, Tonys that, I, that I has ever say, been done. Yeah, it. I think about that opening number all the freaking time. It's so good. It's so good. It's too good. I mean, I it's, it's, watched it's, <laughs> it with my students. Yeah, we're gonna get bigger. Yeah. It's da, 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 so great, like, and it is. I mean, it's also, of course, there's the Lin Manuel, Lin Manuel Miranda of it all, like uh, exactly. obviously that makes it great. But he yes. performs it so well, so well. There's so much happening. It's so it's, great. Oh and then the God. next year, no offense, Hugh Jackman, I love you, and I know with, how athletic the, that with was. The jumping, but that I. <laughs> part of me respects. <laughs> it was amazing. Well, part of me respects the fact that like. You're never going to top it. You're so never. don't even try. Don't even try. Let, let's do something that's the complete opposite of that. Which is just Hugh Jackman Which jumping Hugh Jackman up and down for five minutes. It was the... I don't know what the right choice was. It wasn't that. Like, <laughs> it was fine. It was. Re- it's the choice we deserve. <laughs> so, but I found listening to the recording, especially during the sing-along section... To be there's there's an element of, of him as a personality that I find cloying, hmm. which I think is simply from overexposure. It is really just that sense of like, I I, I can't with too the, much of a good thing. Yeah, it's just like I can't anymore. I will say he was such a beautiful champion for this show, in a very like using it felt that way using his celebrity and his pull mm-hmm. to be like no this show this show now and. By the way, the fact that it's not nominated for Best Musical and Best Score is nonsense, which I have to say 100% agree with him about. It's the only, it's not the only part of the Tonys I don't like, but it is the, it is one of those things about the Tonys that I don't, I don't really, I mean, I do understand it, but I don't, I don't like it. I, I, it, it's that thing of like shows like Assassins and Hedwig and um, Little Shop when they reach Broadway 20, 30 years after they debut are considered revivals, even though they've never played on Broadway because they are right. mainstays. And I understand like it's unfair. And the other half of me does not care. Like mm-hmm. it, this is the rule. It's playing on Broadway or not playing on Broadway. Now it's playing on Broadway. It should be up for all those awards. Definitely. That aspect of, of his involvement in the show and his promotion of Lena Hall and his, like, I mean, he really. Watching him watch her accept her award mm-hmm. was really. Yes. And, fe- that's, and that's the moments I love because that felt totally genuine. That didn't feel like, because you've seen those people where like they, they yeah. like, oh, the camera's going to come to me. I better be looking. No, no, he looked thrilled that she was yes. up there. So happy for her. Uh, and she was great. I mean, yeah, she, she's her, amazing. Her energy is so interesting in that in the videos I've seen. Like, it's such an interesting, interesting presence. I yes. can't. Like, it, it, and it's yeah. Are you familiar with her band, The Deafening? Not really. I'm 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 aware of the fact that the band exists, but I am not. Uh, it's very cool. Mm-hmm. It's very cool. She's just such a badass. Mm-hmm. She's such a freaking rock star. And like, like it's a rock band. She is skrelting for the gods. <laughs> and it's so great. And um, in fact, one of her one of her songs, I several years ago had the opportunity to send in a, a video to audition for a production of Hedvig. And I picked one of her songs to do because mm. duh. Right. It's very good. <laughs> I love her. She had, and I know she had some difficulty with the sort of, interestingly with this show, the dichotomy of identity between her yeah. as a rock and roll 
person. God, that made me sound so old. But like that, you know, the persona of her as rock performer and the pers- and the idea of her as also a Broadway actress. Yeah. She seemed to have a lot of... Because... She had like two separate Twitter accounts and two separate... Like she had like different... She, yeah. She tried to like really separate the two. And I think by the end of it, she was just like, this is Can't do pointless. It. It's all me, which is hilarious. <laughs> You think about the show. Yeah, she was like doing. that's so she's like on the exact life, same journey. Imitating <laughs> art. Oh my god! And then so on the funny. other side of the spectrum is: Do you remember when that um, reality show about Legally Blonde the musical? I do. Do you remember Finding Elle Woods? That she was one of the contestants. Was she really? She was. Oh, that's funny. Yes. Oh my. Oh goodness. yes. There's a clip whenever they had to do like they were on those stupid bikes and they made them yeah. like bike and then yeah, belt. Yeah. yeah. Freaking psychotic. Oh my God. But oh, as great TV. TV show. Right? <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to just legally blonde, the musical, if I may yeah. say. Um, um, oh, that's so funny. Yeah. And she, cause she of course it. she was, I mean, and she was uh, like the most punk rock one there, right. but even so not nearly as punk rock as, you know, her and her band, but right. it's, it was fascinating. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. And there she is. That's Lena Rocker Hall. Right. As she is known. Right? And that was the, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a really, I mean, it is also like, and also I should say, like I say, I, Lena Hall is this generation's, uh, it's not for me. It's Miriam Shore. Mm-hmm. Ride or die with Miriam Shore, who you, uh, who everyone is loving on younger right now. And I'm so excited. She is a performer who I have loved. It, 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 but like, and it's one of those performers you have where you're just like, gosh, like, I wish somebody mm-hmm. would see, because like people, great people put her in stuff and they're like, because clearly they love her. And like John Cameron Mitchell put her in the movie and the play, like he was all about her in that part. And it just like didn't, didn't go anywhere and it didn't do anything. And she kept doing, she kept working, <laughs> she kept plugging along. And then she ends up in Younger in a, in a part that is like built for her. And thank God. And now she's like somebody people know who she is. It, it, and it's now finally, I mean, that's a career making part. Yes. That's a part that people really want to play. And yes. I think that like pr- productions of, of Hedwig, you would have seen between the off-Broadway and the Broadway production wouldn't, it wouldn't have been that. Because it isn't a part that sings a tremendous number, like a, a lot of songs. No, it's, yeah. she, Those pesky, those pesky pronouns. Yitzhak. <laughs> I think we might just want to use names. Freaking Yitzhak. Yitzhak. Um, is a... Uh, I mean, it's, it's always singing back. Always singing back. Always singing back. Always singing those harmonies. Right. Way up high. Does have the first line of the show. Which is a great line. Ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, whether you like it or not. That's great. Hedwig. <laughs> so good. It's so... So good. <laughs> but then Yitzhak, and it's it was not this way originally, and I'm so glad, and this is the reason why oh. I wanted to do, to talk about this recording in particular, oh. is because Yitzhak gets to sing the long grift. Yes. And that, to me, is the most brilliant change. It just... It's it's right. I don't even. I don't remember the exact sequence, but it's, it's like right, right in the before. middle. I mean, it's like it's it's after Hedvig is really just emotional and upset. Re Tommy and right. all things traumatic and can't sing the song. Right and leaves. And usually it's the band leader who sings it. And in the film and and 
who was originally played by Stephen Trask, who wrote the music. Yes. So it makes a lot of sense. When yes. John Cameron Mitchell wrote the book and lyrics leaves they give it to the composer to say exactly yeah um, but it does make but a lot more dramatic it. sense exactly for it to be a song especially given the what the song is about heartbreak and it's betrayal and it's loss and it's um finally being given the opportunity and the voice to say that and to like take back some part of yourself because you're having this opportunity to say what this person has done to you and that happened to Hedvig because Tommy did that to her but Mm -hmm. then she did that to Yitzhak right and so for him to finally have that moment is just really really powerful there is a lot that one of the running themes which again like every time i think about a separate aspect of the show i i am like oh no that just ties into the origin of love right. is the idea of pain being passed on mm-hmm. from person to person absolutely communicated from you know from luther to hedwig from tommy to hedwig from hedwig to yitzhak i mean from 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 the original hedwig from hansel's mother and to to Hansel, i.e. Hedwig, um, his dad, his dad, yeah, exactly, Which, and it just—I don't know if they talk. I don't remember if they talk about it in the stage play. I, I'm sure they do. Um, it certainly comes up, but it's it's, it's in depth. So in the film. yeah, it's it's almost a throwaway. Yeah, it's almost a throwaway. Um, that's one of the reasons the movie is so fascinating to me because the movie really feels like there were so many ideas. About like this character was so much more had so much more detail yes. that they created and they did not have time for or a yeah. place to put all this information in the conceit of the show, but it was all created. You know, John Cameron yeah. Mitchell wrote all this down, and then when the movie comes along, has the chance to be like, "Oh, great, we can do all of this stuff," and we're not expanding the world no. for the movie. We are like just these taking all the stuff lines, we already had, right? And then we're showing you this clip, what it means, yeah, of yeah, and how it all goes together. It's, Oh, yeah, it's it's really movie. great. I mean, it's really like all all the movie. yes in every incarnation of this, it has been it, it has been really really interesting, um, and and I mean just very. I do marvel at that. I I wonder if it's a show that is so simple that you don't quite understand how good it is. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it because it it tricks you with its simplicity, and also with its. I will I will say the the sort of shocking elements of the show because when this show came out in 1998 it was shocking yes and it was stuff that we did not talk about it, outside of like the off like the fact that this was off broadway was a little bit yeah. like a little close to home for some people like this is like a real downtown off 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 broadway like st mark's place bar that's changed names three times since they started tech like they're in the basement of that. Like that's where this show goes on. Yeah. And this show was a success, you know, and a hit. And with this like very, very upfront about 
It's subject matter. I mean, even calling it Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Yeah. I mean, like, well, what does that mean? It's well, I'm so going to tell you what that case. means, and yep. you are not going to like it. Because <laughs> it is, like, I mean, it is still, that is a song, I know everything, like, I've heard it a billion times, listening to it again to, to talk to you about it. It, it is a painful, it is. Pain, like, physically painful moment. My sex change operation got botched. My guardian angel fell asleep on the watch. Now all I've got is a Barbie doll crotch. I got an angry inch. Six inches forward, five inches back. I got a, I got an angry inch. Six inches forward, five inches back. I got a, I got an angry inch. Oh God. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's draining. It is draining. Not in a bad way. I mean, no. I, I really, it, it's hard it's to describe. Yeah. Ultimately, but, it is energizing. Yeah, but it's cathartic, and like that's, yeah, that's one of the, the right things yeah, yeah. why I love it. And one of the things, because we were saying earlier about when it came out, it kind mm-hmm. of rocked people's world. Yeah. Since then, the LGBTQ community has changed so much, and our um, knowledge of what things are and who people are, and the yeah. differences between sexuality and gender, mm-hmm. and uh, things being a spectrum and identifying and giving language to what a binary is and how it's problematic and thinking like, okay, well now we have this cis gay man who's written a show. Is it a show about trans people? Because she, is she trans? This was a forced thing. It was a botched thing. What does this actually mean? Um, do we need to be telling stories that were written by cis men about like who should tell these stories? Sure. Where should the emotional labor come in? Um, so even with all of that, like there, there, there are issues with it now. Uh, they're just because sure. as things change and evolve, some stuff gets dated and now Hedwig sure. is, is pretty dated. Um, but I think the kernel that is so universal and is so timeless about it is that the point of all of the truly horrific things that she went through is that this is a person who's experienced horrific trauma. We are not showing them as an angel, right. an, an angelic person. We're showing them with all of their warts. We're showing them or fail. A they're none of the, they're no. not that either. Yeah, yeah. No, not at all. But we're showing this struggle to self-acceptance. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it, it just... Yeah, to yes. So maybe this is a great segue into my story about my tattoo of okay, the show. Sure, I think this is okay. I think this is it. So you That's have this brain. tattoo. I've got a tattoo. I've yes. got Hedvig's tattoo, Hedvig's the tattoo. one from the end. Yes, and it changes because in the beginning of the show, you see she's got this tattoo on her right hip, and it's one of the drawings from the Origin of Love. Right, it's the the jagged two sides of a face and they're not all the way together and she's got that on her hip Mm -hmm. and in the last moments of the movie when stripped bare and she leaves the theater and starts walking in the alley in new york city or wherever the hell she is and it's um and you see the tattoo and it's changed and it's one whole complete face um and it's just it's just like Great. Love stories are great. Looking for your other half is great, but find it within yourself. Sure. The the greatest love story could be with yourself mm-hmm. and about taking care of yourself and 
letting yourself heal and realizing that maybe some of the things that you were doing because of traumatic stuff were hurting people you loved. And she grows from that. Like mm -hmm. she, PTSD will make you mean. Yeah. And she's mean to Yitzhak. Yeah. And like, and she learned, yeah, I just, well, I just do, love how imperfect. Yes, because it is, it, you really see that the ostentatious costuming and, and all that is, it, it, yeah. It, while it is supposed to be, it is presented as an expression of her yes. identity, it is actually armor. Armor. And she is invincible. Exactly. With the wig on. You can't, you can't get to her because she doesn't care about anything. And then yep. it is in the show she realizes, well, that's, then you're dead. Then yeah. <laughs> that's the same, that's the same thing. Vulnerability is where mm -hmm. it's at. And it's still letting your trauma define you. I mean, it's the, mm -hmm. it's just the exactly. other, it's the exactly. other side of that coin. It's, it's, you're running away from it so aggressively. It is still yeah. everything about, but so you, I'm sorry to interrupt. So, so no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I've got that tattoo. The story behind the tattoo is in 2014, the same year. The same year. Mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. 2014 in August, um, I was raped by my best friend and, um, uh, who we did theater together in college and then, um, out in the world in mm -hmm. Dallas and and that was the year that Hedvig was on Broadway and we both loved Hedvig and we wanted to be Hedvig and Yitzhak someday. Like it was just, it was a time. And then yeah. that happened and it was awful and my whole world was turned upside down because I am a very talkative person and I will say some shit to you. And I started telling people what he did and then I went on tour. And so I was away from home and he started just planting these little evil seeds of lies and things. And it was just this horrible, manipulative thing. And I was just on the road feeling like, ah, oh my God. It was awful. And while on this tour, we went to New York and I got to see Hedwig and the Angry Inch. And then I found out that they were doing it in Dallas. I sent in a video. He worked at the theater and he deleted the video before the director saw it and I know this because he was then bragging about it to other people he also had like links to my passwords and things and was just like he ended up going onto my SoundCloud at one point and like burning a CD with all of my songs and then making copies of it and then sending it out to random people at um outside of a concert venue in Dallas with my email address like just really creepy manipulative stuff um not a good dude. <laughs> but so, so that was like really heartbreaking. But then I ended up getting to do this other really amazing show called Mr. Burns, which I would have wanted to do for this, but they don't have a cast recording for that one. Um, and so that was kind of amazing. But all that to say, the year anniversary of the date came back around. I was doing this amazing show also about resilience in the face of trauma mm -hmm. and um, had another friend who is a fellow survivor of sexual assault and we went and and was also someone who while I was on tour I, I started blogging about this guy basically so I had a lot of people reach out and she was one of the people who reached out and was like hey and she shared her story with me and she was a really big rock for me while I was on the road um, and then I got back and I was telling her I was like you know I've been thinking a lot about that tattoo at the end of Hedvig and the Angry Inch. And because we were we were both talking about this day is coming up. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do on this day? That's good. It's something that you can mm -hmm. do for yourself. Right. 
Um, and so we spent the day together and we both went and got the, the, the same tattoo. And then we went to Chili's and got margaritas. <laughs> <laughs> like you do. Um, yeah. So that's the story behind the tattoo. And it's just, I love it. I love the tattoo. Mm-hmm. I love what it means. I love kind of how weirdly and sadly and also beautifully this show is a, a reminder of that part of my life and is connected to that part of my life. But because of the nature of the show and that the lesson it's constantly teaching me is forgiveness and not letting yourself off the hook, Mm -hmm. um, not letting your trauma define you, being cognizant of the times that my trauma makes me a little, a little shit and, and just finding that healing. I was telling one of my friends the other day, my word of of the year is heal. Mm -hmm. And that's what I get from Hedwig and the Angry Inch. It's just, it's this breath of fresh air, this catharsis. You go through this really emotional, hard journey with, with these people on stage. And at the end, when those final moments lift up your hands, the, the whole song of Midnight Radio mm-hmm. is catharsis. It's, and it's also in my book because ain't nobody got time to not put Midnight Radio in their book. <laughs> um, I love that song so much. It's, it, it's almost like a prayer mm-hmm. to me. It's the closest I personally w- would ever want to get to religion. It, sure. Ugh. Yes. Yes to all of that. Yes to um, all. It is. There is nothing I can say that can add to what you just said. You, 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 absolutely. But it's my show, so I have to say something. Yes. <laughs> I can't, and I can't just end the episode. But also ending the episode there doesn't help. You know no. what I mean? Like stopping. No. That's not good either. And it is. I'm searching for words so as not to detract from what you said. This is really what I'm what I'm trying to say. So I think the only way to to do that is to be completely honest about what I'm doing right now. And but to say that the thing that makes me so happy about the story you just told mm. is the fact that here we are 5 years out and you told me that story mm-hmm. and I physically met you an hour and a half ago. What? Yes. An hour and 15 minutes ago. That um yep. yes. So it's like that is amazing to me, and I have like I have friends who on, on a similar tack, um, their first child was stillborn, and they just this was I think two years ago, and they just gave the keynote address at a um, stillborn conference a conference mm. for parents who've, who've lost children yeah. for from any different reasons, and the message of it was very much that they just had a new baby, their first. Um, and that pregnancy wasn't fun either. It was a lot of like, and the thing I'm most impressed with is that, uh, and it's I'll just say her name because she's an amazing human being, Jill Knox Powell, you can find her on Instagram, has been transparent from the moment their son died until, and still to this day um, about every day being a journey. And at this balance of like, I have to be present for my daughter. I will never forget my son. Some days it's fine. Some days it's not. And this is what it is. Yeah. And it's it's that rejection of the most damaging part of American culture, Western culture, really, to me, which is the concept of the happily ever after. Yes. The, the fact that the story has an end. The story does not have an end. And even when you leave the story, I mean, it's the thing of like, and in this show, 
like Luther hasn't been in Hedwig's life for I don't know how long, but is a part of the story. Yeah. It is an active part of the story and clearly did damage that lasts Mm -hmm. emotional damage you know real like made some decisions obviously that led to physical damage but like but also did some real emotional damage and is is that thing at the end of the show like you say that the the acceptance the forgiveness which is not weakness is power actually is strength to forgive somebody and then also what's great about the film is there's an explicit moment of sort of success and then dismissal of the success of the being like, Oh my God, I'm famous. And yeah. then being like, that's not good either. Wait, yeah. This isn't great. This like isn't this is not, the this answer. isn't, yeah, this isn't what I want. This isn't what I've like, what have I actually been yeah. chasing? And then to go find it. And exactly. so, because that's a thing, like, you know, you, you hear no matter, no matter what the situation is, a breakup, something, way more traumatic like right. what happened to Hedvig or what happened to me or any anything anywhere in between we all maybe not all but I know I do have at least a moment and sometimes a phase of life where I'm like I'm gonna get better to spite this person and it's sure and it's all it's still focused on them right um I'm going to get famous to spite this person. Right. All right, Hedvig. Like right. that's not going to fix that doesn't the damage the in your heart. Right. Well, it's revenge. Exactly. I it, mean, is that's and, all it is. And as, that's not sustainable. As storytellers have been telling us since time immemorial, mm. revenge is not the answer. Yeah. But we have to keep we, learning that lesson. Over and over. And again. you do have to, I mean, it's a matrix. But we do. I, I apologize. It's a matrix quote, but it doesn't mean it's not true. <laughs> is there's a difference between knowing the path and walking the path? Like, yes, absolutely. I can sit here and tell you this all day long. Of course. But you have to go do it and go, oh, you're right. You're right. This, this isn't the answer. Yeah. Like how many famous people have you heard say, gosh, I wish like being famous isn't the answer to everything. And how many people go, uh-huh, whatever. Like, and they didn't. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. It's it's that we've been, they've been, people have been telling us this for forever and ever. And we, we, part of it is we don't listen. And part of it is you can't, Yeah, I can't explain it to you. I can't no. tell you. You have to, you have to go out into the world. Because you don't know and until live. you right. live. Until you know. You don't, yeah. And there's like, oh, there it is. Mm-hmm. Shoot. Darn it. And that's what to say of like, that's what I think was at the root of the Stephen Colbert said is yes. this, the idea of like, it's all part of you. It's mm-hmm. all part of the person that you are and part of becoming a human being in this world or being a human being is accepting not accepting but sort of figuring out how all those pieces put together yes i don't want to use terms like accepting and getting over stuff. that's not helpful no it's the it's the idea of like all these things are part of me every day forever yeah and some so, days it's like, going to be too hard to think about and right. then some days and that's fine right it's knowing that like some days it's it's all i've got yeah. and you know what that's, that's okay fine. that's today We'll try again tomorrow. Exactly. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. And that's a really powerful thing to be able to do. People yeah. spend years in therapy trying to know that for themselves. Right. And that's what I was saying. Like, but that's like what's so amazing to me about what you just told me is the ease with which you told me that. Now, that's obviously like we just said, that's today. That's to- yeah, right. absolutely. If we did this podcast tomorrow, this might Who not knows? have been how this goes. Yeah. But it is that. It's so important to say it out loud and to say it out loud over and over and over again yes. is that the story doesn't stop. 
this is, and I, one of the things again I like about this story is that it kind of ends at the beginning. Like yes, you see, it's a birth. Yes, you see how how this person became the third incarnation of mm -hmm. themselves, which is probably connected to the third sex, which is all in the origin of love. My God, right? this is a well written show. But it is that thing of like there was Hansel, there was Hedwig, and now there is this thing, this sort of unnamed entity, person. yeah, who is just is a person. I mean that, and that's and the can other have thing. the potential. To be anything. Well, and it's which true. Is so wonderful. It, it's the it does end, but it doesn't stop. Right. It just it goes on, and it even kind of goes on in the in the character of Yitzhak. I mean, yes. with the with the anointing of someone who can now be the next Hedwig, you know, on stage and is actually more comfortable mm -hmm. is is now being their truer self. Yes. Than even Hedwig was, and. Yeah. What is that gonna look like? You know, like you know, and the dis I mean, now there is a little bit of revenge in it in the sort of destruction of Tommy. Of course, <laughs> of course, like he gets. That's the dramatic arc of it he all. He gets you what's know. coming to him, right? It's funny, also in the movie. There's it's, it's kind of it's, ex it's explicit that <laughs> it's like so funny the way they do it in the movie. But like <laughs> they have this the tabloid moment, yes, that like destroys Tommy and elevates Hedwig from like. The crappy club to the, the to the super crappy club to the less crappy club, you know. But it's still, but not as like it's a star, but it's a star of this weird circuit she's been oh, operating, yeah. you know. It's and a weird circuit. It really is. It's like I mean, a restaurant chain, isn't it? Isn't it's it? like buffets. Yeah, oh, it's buffets so bizarre. across it's Kansas. So funny, um, and it's just it is that is an interesting dichotomy as well. The idea yeah. that like this moment that makes her yeah. destroys him. And reveals, I mean, but it's true, it's like, he, he, Tommy is a bad person and like has done something. Tommy is a frightened, weak person. Frightened, weak person. Was it, so was the question that I, hang on, I have to go back to the question I wrote down. Because it, so you asked this question a while ago, though, about Tommy and Hedwig being in love, question mark. Yeah, question. And what did you. So here's my thing. Sure. Throughout, well, the first thing that came to me was. Okay, so I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to remember what is what is said in the show and what is done just in the movie. But in the movie, it's it, it's all it's all of it's all the same writers. It's all of a piece. I, yeah, I, I have but no like, in, it, in we terms can of the backstory, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a scene in the movie where it's one of the first scenes that they have together, where she's babysitting and he's in the bathtub, and she comes in. And by the way, she's 27 at this point right. and he's 17. Right. I'm just going to throw that out there. Right. I'm from Texas and it still makes me feel a little oogie. Right. <laughs> well, it should. Well, it should. It should. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, and she comes in and gives him a hand job right. while he's in the bathtub. 17 year old kid. Right. And yeah. And so, well, first of all, that that's just like a so uncomfortable and problematic and like ugh, hate but also it's like her whole life she was the young boy getting right. metaphorically jerk bath around. time right. yeah yeah there it is thank you thank you very much you're welcome um so and, and just to think about like you were saying earlier of this this cycle of trauma and mm -hmm. who are you passing down yeah. your trauma to and it, it's the same for victims and perpetrators. Um, people who commit sexual assault are more likely to have been sexually assaulted. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's all learned. So that that was the first moment that came to me, like when I was watching it, rewatching it the other week, and I was like, "Oh wow, 
there, this is such a loaded moment. There's yeah. no speaking at all. It's, and it's all her. He has nothing to do with anything. Right. And most of the scenes that are about their like romantic thing, all he wants to do is kiss her, never on the lips. Mm-hmm. And he's always coming up behind her and, and then of course there's the scene where he puts his hand down her pants and is like, what the hell is that? Right. And then it's so sad and awful and he freaks out and runs away. Yeah. And she's like, love the front of me. Um, and then I'm just like, I don't think he loved any part of you. Hedwig. Right. I don't think that he ever did. Yeah. I think he was a s- confused, weak teenage boy. Right. With a, a very religious conservative family, family. Which is screwing him up on one side. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then along Meets, comes Hedwig. So he's vulnerable. I mean, he is very vulnerable. It's very victim. It's a very victim establishment. You yeah. know, it's very it's very confusing. He's a vulnerable youth. But he does like in every scene, like there's always some avoidance. She's always the one to yeah. initiate anything. Maybe not always, but for the most part, the most I kept she's, noticing. She's driving the car. Yeah. I mean, she's Absolutely. she leads the relationship along. Absolutely. Um just occurred to me with him being in the bathtub with like a baptismal because I was about to yeah. say she kind of baptiz- baptizes him into this life like this abuse cycle mm-hmm. um, and I think that's probably very literal uh, at least intentional yes yeah so yeah that is a, I mean yes and Hedwig's pursuit of him yeah is obsessive it is obsessive and it isn't yeah it's so funny because we just talked about forgiveness and all that but like and Hedwig, like, was wronged. Yes. But. And, yeah. Yeah, but also, like, so Wrongs is he. other people. Yeah, yeah. I know. Wow. That's a good show. It uh, is such a good show. <laughs> it makes you think. But it, but it really, like. And it doesn't, like, it doesn't paint her as this hero. That's why that Playbill yeah. listing pissed me off so much. Yeah. It's like, this is. Who's your dramaturg? <laughs> I need to do talk ha- to them. Do you have a dramaturg? <laughs> I will be that for you. Do you know what a dramaturg <laughs> is? Let's have that conversation. Um, yeah, well, casting notices are their own. Oh, my God. I feel like there's a whole like. Especially for this show. And and that, and that then, speaking of casting. Sure. Um, what in this new world, in this world that is constantly changing and evolving and we're learning more and more every day about marginalized groups and trying to give those people who are the most marginalized the most voice, where does a show like this fit in? Because it's an excellent show, right? I want it to be done all over the place. Right. Who should be telling the story? I, I want to see a non-binary actor mm-hmm. play Hedvig. Yeah. I want that very much. I want to see non-binary and trans people in artistic positions and leadership positions of this show. Mm-hmm. That's what I want. It is a really interesting question about whether or not Hedwig is trans. Right. And because the experience of not knowing your identity and, and feeling like you're not what your body right. is, is right. giving you is a thousand percent is a trans experience yes that is an experience uh, a, an awful confusing often 
shameful experience because of the binaries set by this world. Mm -hmm. So because of that, I'm like, who better to tell that emotional story and to bring that life and that truthfulness to this character than an actor who is trans or non-binary or mm -hmm. genderqueer? Who better? Right. They'd be the best ones. Right. Um, I mean, obviously. Right. Um, but then it's like, do we hire a trans actor and then have sister actors? Where, like... Mm -hmm. I, I don't think I don't so. know. I don't, I don't like, think so. I don't think I don't so. Know. No, but also, not. I would love to direct this show someday. Sure. I fancy myself to be pretty pretty decent at it. <laughs> but also, is that my story to tell? If Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't want to put an actor in that position of having to do all the emotional labor for me. Sure. Oh, wow, that's really, woman, that is a know? super mature thing to say. God bless you. <laughs> God well, <laughs> I mean, it's been it's been years of listening. Sure, you know, yeah, yeah. I have I have a um, a friend and a, um, colleague, uh, Dane Aditi. Oh she's yeah, a, she's amazing. I went to college with Dane. Oh my god! So mm -hmm. so you know, but I, I I've I've talked to her a lot mm -hmm. about this show. Um, oh, I'd be fascinated to know what Dane thinks about yeah. this show. Oh my god! Yeah, gosh. we we've we've not talked at length. Sure. Um, but we we've exchanged a few Facebook messages, and she's just always someone who I go to. Mm -hmm. Um, her, I have another friend who's actually another um, DFW Texas transplant. We went to college together. Um, Britt Willis. There. I don't. I know. I do not playwright. know Britt, but I, yes, but I am aware. Yes. Um, excellent human. Mm -hmm. Very excellent human. Um, yeah, just. Anytime I'm like, hey, feel free to say no to this right. because I have a Google, um, <laughs> but they're just two just really generous, open people who are willing to talk about those things. Right. Which and is so great because it's not their job. It's not. To educate me. Right. But God, thank you thank so you. much like for doing like, this. Right. Thank you. Because it's the only way. I'm going to understand and like anyone's going to understand. And I always feel terrible yeah. in those circumstances because it's like, I hate asking this question. Of course. Because it's not your, it's not your responsibility. And I can only imagine how many times you've been asked this question. And blah, yeah, exactly. Blah, blah, exactly and right. Just and you're just like, more. and also you're not a spokesman no. for a thousand, you know, millions of people. Right. You are every, you. Every, every trans person it's, is different. It's, it's part of the point. And I mean, some it's part people of the, don't want hormones. Like there's so, like so it, much, there's so many levels. So much complexity. So much, yeah. Well, spectrum, as you said, I mean, it's a, and it's one of the things having raising a child with, with autism is, is understanding that like, I mean, the saying in the community is if you know one kid with autism, you know, one kid with autism. That's yes. what it is. Absolutely. And that applies Again, and this is, ties into what we were talking about earlier. I mean, the blessed thing for me, and hopefully for my son and, and, and for everyone who, who meets him, is that, that reminder of that every day, of being like, I don't want you to assume anything about him, mm -hmm. so I'm not going to assume anything about you. Yeah, You're going to tell me who you are, you're going to put me wherever you want to put me, and I will meet you on that level because that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Like That's all I know about you is what you tell me and what I see how you behave like those are the those those are the only two pieces of information i can take from this and there's no point in me trying to impose upon you things that i know now the tricky other half of that is the fact that we do that yes as human animals <laughs> and it is hard to like to to look at your own instinctual 
lizard brain responses to things. I'm and so glad you say lizard brain. I love saying too. lizard brain. Yes to all. Yes to it all. Yes to the chaos of that that we've been describing. What we're describing is yeah, it's uncertain. It's uncertain as hell. Yeah. Welcome to the world. It's kind of amazing. <laughs> kind of yeah. It's yeah. Uncertainty. We're so terrified of uncertainty. We are. Because it's scary. The on world is a scary place. On every level. On yeah. every level. Mm-hmm. Even, this might be a jump. <laughs> Scantrons. Really? That is a jump. Yes. I did not, did not see this Here, coming. Here's where I'm going. I'm loving it. So I remember being in high school, the first time I ever took a test in one of my higher level, like the AP mm-hmm. history classes with truly one of the best teachers ever. Her name is Misty Moffat and she is super metal. I love her. She's awesome. We're friends on Facebook. She's great. (laughs) I'll hi Misty. Anyway. um, (laughs) So, but she was amazing. She was brilliant. And she forced us to think critically. She forced us to kind of live in these uncertain, confusing things. We're talking about American history and European history. And every, test question that we would have it was scantron multiple choice every every other test that i've ever done that's multiple choice it's like all right which one of these four answers is correct mm-hmm. right this one she would have a through e so five she would say any combination of this could be correct and it was one of the most difficult tests i tests i've ever taken were, were her tests because every question could have up to five answers because when you're talking about history there isn't just one thing that sure. makes a thing happen, right? So she was forcing us to learn how to think critically in a system designed to make to you think. To be binary. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. They they design it for us like that from day one. Right. With gender, with with the way we're supposed to think about events, everything. Well, the idea of right and wrong. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and good and bad behavior. I mean, it's mm-hmm. one of the big things that like I've learned about, again raising a, a neuroatypical child absolutely is the idea of like we don't say and we do it with our with our two other kids it, it, too is like it, it applies to everything it, it's not good or bad right is the terms we use and, and it, the terms we use in, in our house and the terms they use all, all over the place now are expected and unexpected behavior yes which sounds wonky when you first hear it but it's more it because then it's all situational it's mm-hmm. all like there's different ways to act in different places. You can, you know, it's perfectly fine for you to sit at my dinner table and swear like a sailor. But like, if we're at, if we're at my mother's house, like, just please don't. Right. That's all we're asking because it's going to like, and it's not a right or wrong. It's just, she doesn't like it. And we're in her house. That's polite. That's expected. It's expected that you dress this way. When you go to a wedding, it's expected you act this way. When you go to a funeral, these are the expected behaviors of the cultural situation. There's no good or bad. Yeah. It is all situational. And that, cause it's behavior. Because it's also the same thing of like, there's no such thing as a good or bad feeling. What do you do? They're just a feeling. Yeah, exactly. What do you do with that feeling? That's yeah. the next question. Behavior and that is, is also situational. It's okay to scream and yell and kick and punch sometimes. Like, where are you? Are you alone in your room beating the crap out of your bed? Awesome. Go for it. Is that what you need to do? Great. Do it. Clean it up later. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's fine. Yeah. It's your space. Your, ch- you know, exactly. out in public. Maybe lock it down. Not so much. Just maybe. Lock it down. And, you know... <laughs> find a time and that's the harder but that's the thing it's the because it's 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 beyond impulse control Mm -hmm. it is awareness of the impulse it is are you controlling are you the master of your body are you the master of your responses not the master of your emotions not the master of your thoughts the mass monster the monster of your actions the master (laughs) of your actions or are you the monster of your actions right do you allow those things to dictate 
you. And again, tying into this thing of, of like, do you allow your trauma, your fear to to define you? Yeah. But it's like it's it's that thing of again. I mean, I'm quoting some great people here tonight. But like Billy Joel said, the only people I fear are those who never have doubts. And it mm. is that thing of like, if you are so certain about anything, I have a lot of questions. <laughs> I well, yeah, like yeah, a, another binary. The church that I grew up in, sure, Southern churches. A lot of them are like this, where it was all fire and brimstone. It was all fear. Right. If I was told any any time I brought up doubts. Mm-hmm. to my seriously wonderful parents and we've grown and changed together through the years <laughs> at yes. this point but yes. I, I remember right. like being told by teachers and my parents and other family members that doubts are sinful right so they yeah this training that we all receive to label any thought that comes through your head as being good and bad it's awful what's your favorite song the Long Grift. Really? Mm-hmm. For all the reasons you already articulated, I mm-hmm. assume. Yeah. But also, I really love the Hurt Locker one. I think it's so gorgeous. And I really love Midnight Radio and Wicked Little Town. So you are currently in, hang on, I can get this right, Theater 4615. Yes. Wow, I got the numbers right. Um, doing Enron, speaking of like... I'm not in the Political. Enron. You're not in the Enron. Okay. I'm in Betrayal. Oh, if you're running, in, in running in rap. rap. Okay. Yeah. I see. So you're running we in Betrayal. We have way less raptors in our play <laughs> than there are in Enron. Than there are in Enron. There are 100% less raptors. Fewer raptors in, okay. In ours. In your show. <laughs> in, okay. in our Pinter play. Yes. Yes. After that, I am understudying Don't Let the Pigeon Drive the Bus at the Kennedy Center this fall wow. before I go on tour with it in oh. the spring for the track that I'm understudying. Thank goodness. Wow. That would be weird if that it was not. Weird. But I'm understudying Tracy Lynn Oliveira, which is amazing. Yes, that is exciting. I'm really freaking stoked because I love her. Oh, she's great. And I can't wait to oh, just so watch cool. her work. And and then I'm coming back. Um, it's, just a, it's just a little five and a half month tour, NBD. No big nice. deal. And then I'm doing the um, the Naked Mole Rat Gets Dressed, the rock experience oh, at, uh, at, Imagination, at Imagination. Oh, fantastic. Where I also work in the box office and sometimes teach. Oh, do you? Teach. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, see you around the halls. Yeah. I'm there all the time because chopping off my son. Yeah. <laughs> I'm there constantly. Yeah. Right this was so great. So where can people find you online? Online, I'm on the Facebook, um, but I won't add you if I don't know you. But I will add you or you can add me and stuff on instagram okay caro dub two b's (laughs) such as it is such as it is such as it is yeah great and do you have caroline doberly.com i do yes 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 yes. caroline doberly.com that is my website thank you caroline this was thank you this was amazing this was a great conversation thank you so much excellent had a blast So
cast is produced and edited by me patrick flynn the original cast is on instagram twitter and facebook at original cast pod you can follow me patrick flynn on all platforms at unknown penguin enjoying yourself leave a rating and review on apple podcasts and tell the world you can also find the original cast on spotify stitcher overcast and wherever fine podcasts are available my thanks to caroline Dubberly for coming down and talking to me i'm patrick flynn and i can't i have rehearsal Lift up your-